Sairam dear listeners and welcome to today's afternoon satsang. We have started a new fortnight and therefore this will be the fortnight of the Ramkatha Rasavahini. The sweet and nectarous story of Lord Sri Rama as penned by our beloved Bhagwan, our dear Swami. An autobiographical account of course. But you know before we go into the Ramayana, the Ramkatha Rasavahini, both Prem and myself are filled with joy, filled with gratitude to Swami and filled with, what can I say, a kind of fulfillment because today happens to be the 200th episode of the afternoon satsang. You know, actually when we do everything to Swami, these milestones, these kind of landmarks, these kind of numbers should not matter at all. But still, humans that we are, these things, these kind of milestones, just, you know, they give us a kind of encouragement, a kind of enthusiasm and a feeling of gratitude because we realize how much of His love and grace has been showered because without that, any kind of milestone is not possible and this definitely feels very special and therefore, I am sure Prem will also join me in expressing our gratitude to Swami and gratitude to Swami in all of you listeners because we feel that Swami communicates through everybody through the whole world because He pervades the whole world He pervades everyone and so we are grateful to Swami in all of you for this wonderful opportunity this wonderful milestone Yes, I mean definitely I do join you in thanking Swami because more than anything else if you look at it, it is an opportunity we have had for 200 weeks to sit week after week every Thursday and think of Swami and you know, speak of Swami. I think more than anything else, that is the greatest blessing that we've got. And as you said, we've spoken so much, so many times in this program about the importance of gratitude and remembering God gratefully as many times as possible. So as you were saying that in a human that we are, that it's when we come across milestones and landmarks such as this, you take time to stop and say that Swami, we didn't, we wouldn't have achieved this much. You know, we set out with no idea that it would be 100, 200, or how many ever. But you know, to sit back and think that so much has been accomplished through us, it's it's a it's a lesson to all of us. You know, if we are, uh, if we can diminish ourselves and make ourselves available for Swami to use us. I think there is no end or no limit to how much he can achieve and our imagination is not the limit for Swami. And you know, on a personal note, Prem, I feel so, uh, what can I say, so enriched and strengthened. Uh, I feel that it is this Thursday satsang, this Thursday live that makes the week strong for me. The week is no longer weak thanks to this kind of remembrance of God. And... I'm sure you also remember the many weeks when either one of us is sick or either one of us has uh, undergone some kind of a difficulty because of which we are not in the mood to actually do the satsang. It's a live thing. It We have had our own ups and downs. But one thing I've realized on the occasion of this 20th, 200th episode is that irrespective of the ups and downs in the week, you just have to get ready and show up and offer your best to Swami. He has his own magical way of doing something so that the whole thing becomes meaningful, enriching. And today, this kind of feeling of fulfillment comes 
I'm sure is not only because of the intensity that we have been able to put into these satsangs, but because of the persistence also. You know, Shirdi Baba also when he said Shraddha and Saburi, he did not say these words in isolation. He always spoke of these two words together. Shraddha is faith. Saburi is perseverance. Faith is what I would like to equate as the intensity that comes. But persistence is so important and important. And today I really realize how magnificent the power of persistence is. We may do a thing in a wonderful manner, in a beautiful manner, in an intense manner, once, twice, thrice. But to do it continuously over time requires great persistence. And if by God's grace you are able to persist, the feeling is really phenomenal. The feeling is really one of great fulfillment. Very true. In fact, you know, when you were telling about uh, that not always we are in the right frame of mind to really speak. And it's it's very true because uh, when when you talk about show business, you know, I often would think that these people who come in front of a camera, I mean, definitely they must be having ups and downs in their life. Let's say they're doing a comedy show or something like that. Mm. But they just can't allow you know themselves to come in front of in between their uh, tv personality and the audience correct and it, it's a very difficult thing honestly speaking and you know uh, i don't know if the children of this generation will be relate to it will be able to relate to it you know the idea of a clown in a circus mm. you'd always say that those were the, those are the ones who will have the most saddest stories uh, behind their mask but to be able to come and show but you know with this program it's a little different it's not like that because many times we we would have had as you said an uninspired week or a little low or little you know honestly speaking so many times we miss swami though we speak of swami is everywhere swami is always with us innumerable number of times when we have you know started the week by missing swami and you will be feeling so low but after a satsang after speaking because as swami would say that you know all the enthusiasm and energy and hope and love that you want is from inside and as you speak it just comes out you know at the end of that you're so energized and to be able to listen about Swami is an opportunity everybody has. But to be able to speak about Swami, I think it's we are really, really fortunate to have that and to have audience to listen to us and to be able to, you know, time and again come to know if somebody comes and meets us and says that, oh, we like this and you know it was so inspiring and we enjoyed it. It's it's uh, you know in multiple ways it it really uh, you know props us up. That is why you know I was saying about this power of persistence. Because, Prem, there have been those weeks when, you know, you are feeling a disappointment in your own personal life. Uh, well, let me speak for myself. I am I'm feeling a disappointment in my life and I am really wondering, Swami, why is this taking time? What is happening, Swami? Please come, you know. But, you know, you are not allowed to, uh, you are not allowed to seep that disappointment into a satsang. And before such a satsang, I have confided into you once or twice that, you know, I'm in no mood to speak. I'm in no mood to tell this. How I wish we can, you know, just play an old satsang, replay it. But, but that moment when you hold on in persistence, I have been thankful to Swami for it because every time I have noticed that even if I come in a low for a satsang, the energy in the satsang is not actually yours or mine because a satsang is sung with the sat sat that is our satya sai. His energy, his enthusiasm, his joy flows in. And even as we go ahead in the satsang, though though I had come in weak, low and wondering what on earth can I give, I realized that I am feeling much better. How? Because that those are the moments when the truth gets hit. 
when the truth hits you that you are not the one who is giving the energy you are not the one who is spreading the enthusiasm you are not the one who is spreading the love it's like uh, the flute or the trumpet feeling boastful of the music it's producing the breath is somebody else the breath is someone else the person who is blowing the breath and as long as the breath is there you need not worry about how the instrument is feeling you know so that has been a great and wonderful revelation and uplifting revelation and that's why i say i'm grateful to swami because many times this satsang i have come in a low and at the end of the satsang i have gone on a high and though we get feedback mails and people telling that we receive we received so much we we got swami's message through this we got swami's love through this i really feel that more than anybody else we are the primary beneficiaries by setting aside in a disciplined manner a time every week when we are going to sit and talk about swami it has its own benefit and i am sure that we too have been the primary and most you know the biggest beneficiaries of this satsang definitely and a really heartfelt gratitude to everybody who has made this possible especially the listeners you know because satsang can always happen you know at, at our desk in in the corner of the office at the coffee shop all the time but when you know that people are listening and people are hanging on to the words that you say it, it brings in a kind of discipline because responsibility is there yes and it makes us even more diligent in our study and in our research you know going into what swami has said because it's been a learning process and it's it is a process which is ongoing because there's so much more to learn and really i mean as i said 2 years ago if 3 years ago if somebody had told that 200 episodes we wouldn't have thought that we could speak so much mm. but now when we look back we can say that you know there is so much more to speak there is so much more to not speak in the sense of we have so much more to share but there is so much more to learn and then share so you know that is the feeling we are left with so dear listeners on uh, behalf of all of us here because we are mentioning it's 200 years 200 episodes but other people who are doing thursday live also will have landmarks such as that so on behalf of all of them we'll take this occasion to thank all of you for joining us week after week and for giving us the the encouragement that's required to do a program such as this and thanking you for allowing us to express our hearts also thanking hanuman who is present in our studios waiting to listen to the ramkatha thanking him for this opportunity to uh, take this time and express our feelings on this occasion we will now dive into the sweet story of lord sri rama from the point where we had left off a fortnight ago but before we begin the ramkatha let us immerse ourselves in that sweet beautiful name so that as the ramkatha begins after that we will be able to enjoy it more we'll be able to benefit from it more shri ram 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 ee rame rame manorame sahasranama tatulyam ramanama varanane
last week when the last time when we were speaking about the ramkatha rasvani we actually came to the point where the battle between rama and ravana is in fact over and ravana has fallen and we spoke about that very important incident and uh, even before i go into the incident you know if we think that this is where the ramayana ends it's so very fascinating that this is the point where so many lessons are coming you know in the, in the uh, short span between uh, ravana's death and rama returning to uh, ayodhya and of course the events that happened there with the coronation of rama there are so many very very small lessons that as devotees as spiritual aspirants as normal people we can learn from this and i think that's what we're going to learn because it starts off with this particular lesson which uh, swami says that when ravana falls Ra- rama calls lakshmana and tells him that you know he is a very very wise man he is one who has mastered so many arts so definitely he'll have some final words of wisdom to share the share to the world so he tells lakshmana that you go and ask him that what he would like to leave as his final message and uh, swami explains that Ram- lakshmana is not very pleased because you know all the while he's been battling with a individual as his enemy and you know he's almost lost his life in the process of battling with him he's almost lost his brother and uh, sister in law mm. but to go and approach him as a guru and ask him what is the message that he left to give and we described the scene where you know he goes and he first uh, stands at the feet of ravana and asks him at the, at head, the head of ravana and asks him and then ravana tells him that if you have come to receive something that you have to stand near my feet and then uh, lakshmana goes there and stands and very very humbly this time asks him what is the message that you have to give you know even in that description there is so much to learn uh, frankly reading all this hits me personally because it exposes all the weaknesses that i have you know this incident so beautifully shows that even though a person might be your enemy in the sense that he may be standing for he may not be standing for the principles that you stand for that's what is the case of ravana even then it's not a bad thing to learn from the good that exists even in that enemy this is amazing because uh, personally in our lives if i look down upon someone mostly it so it happens if i see if i feel you know and i get biased into thinking that somebody is not following the words or the message that my swami has preached then it so happened that i tend to look down upon them which also leads me to shutting myself completely from them it blinds me to seeing the good that exists in them uh, and here you read if you look at rama's life his life has been one continuous torture solely because of one individual because rama as they say you know wasn't sad even when he was told to go to the forest but in the ramayana if at all there comes a point when rama becomes emotional and he breaks down it is all after the kidnapping of sita you know whether it is the fall of lakshmana in the battlefield where he laments and he says i can get anybody but i can't get a brother like lakshmana you know all the tears of rama begin with sita's kidnapping and the sole person responsible for all this is ravana you know ravana has been the cause for all the tears in rama's life and finally having vanquished him instead of celebrating it's amazing to even think that the first thought rama has is let's go and learn the good that he has many times in bhagwan's discourses he has narrated how rama was an expert in 32 fields of knowledge but swami has also said that ravana was an expert in 64 fields of knowledge right that is double of rama 
that is that is an example Swami often uses to say, uh, tell the parents that don't ever say that I want my son to be great. Don't aspire for a great son. Aspire for a good son. Because Ravana was great, but his greatness got him nothing. Rama was good and his goodness got him everything. And then Swami in some discourses even goes on to say, what is the difference between greatness and goodness? Swami says, goodness is when you are able to see God in everyone. That is goodness. Greatness is even when God comes in front of you, you are able to look at him as a man and you know, (laughs) ascribe uh, maya. Means greatness comes when you are seeking maya, when you are seeking illusion. Goodness comes when you are seeking God. And that is exactly what Rama is demonstrating here. Not not as a demonstration, but that is how he leads his life. That is why even in Ravana, he is able to see some things that one can learn from. That is amazing. You know, that is, that is a perfect example of being able to see God even in man. That is why Rama is an epitome of goodness. He is called uh, the... Uh, the dharma vigraha you know the, the idol of uh, dharma or the image of dharma itself ramo vigraha and dharmaha so that is amazing and that's such an inspiring personal lesson to learn that rama tells lakshmana to go and gather all that is there from ravana you know on, on, on another note rama is god and there's nothing that he needs to learn so it's almost like Swami is telling us, you know, or God is giving a message to us that irrespective of who it is, be ready to learn from them. Rama didn't have to learn because Rama actually at a divine level knows everything. But at the same time, he doesn't stop from advising Lakshmana to go and learn even from the at the feet of Ravana, his sworn enemy. There's a very uh, important direct message that I get from this in the sense like many times youngsters ask, you know, I've, I've come across many in my own family who will say that, uh, there is this feeling that I am more wise than the elders in the family. You know, mm. Especially when you come to Swami, let's say, mm. that you have the feeling that you have more wisdom than probably a mother or father who is not a devotee of Swami. Mm. So there is this uh, natural tendency to disrespect them. Or even if you know your parents are not as well educated as you are, that there is this feeling of superiority and that humility goes. That the very idea that Rama is telling here, you know, you go to Ravana, he's a, he's a wise man, he's a master of so many arts, you can learn from him is, you know, by, just by virtue of accumulating knowledge, you are in a position where you can impart some lesson or the other. Same is the case with elders in our life, you know, they might not have gone to the, the university that we have gone to, they might not have learnt the way we have learnt, but definitely the years of their, their life is worth so much to give and share their wisdom. And how do you approach them and learn that wisdom? You have to have that humility. And that's why I think in the Indian tradition, it doesn't matter whether your parents are good or bad, whether your parents are educated or not educated. You always give respect to elders. You always have that humility when you approach those elders because, you know, that just that the very the fact that they've lived more years than you, they have something to share with you. And the other thing is, you know, here is Rama all the while, we we saw that uh, conversation between Rama and uh, Mother Sita before, where Rama says that we're going to make an example out of Ravana. Hmm. So it's almost like the world is going to be shown this individual and told that these are the things you should not do. Okay, but at the same time, Rama is sending Lakshmana and saying that there is something that you have to follow what he says. So now you go and take it. So it is almost like we will come across people in life. They will be doing some things. They will be doing. They will not be. I mean, uh, there are some things which you will have to follow some things which you will not follow 
right? And that discrimination you should have, and I think each one has that wisdom to make that discrimination. The ability to take out what is good and to follow it, even if it is coming from the wrong person, I think that is a sign of wisdom because you know that is the uh, going back to that Adhyatmic Rama in which we've always been talking. Here is Rama who represents the Atma, and Lakshmana is the Buddhi. So the Buddhi which is inspired by the Atma is choosing what has to be followed in a person and what has to be discarded, discarded. in a person. So this is the whole process which has to happen into in each one of us. Swami would give the example of how the ant goes and is able to pick out only the sugar crystals from a mixture of sugar and sand, leaving right. the sand behind. There is also the traditional example that is given of the swan, which they say has the ability to separate water from the milk. Right. All these are metaphors to say that you must have the ability to see the good, pick the good and leave out the bad. Swami, you know, during many Christmas discourses would give the example of how uh, Lord Jesus, once he's walking with his disciples and they come across the carcass of a dog. dog. It has been dead for several days and the uh, whole thing is rotting and there's a stench that's emanating from it because of which the disciples, you know, close their noses, make expressions of disgust and try to walk away. And at that point in time, Jesus looks at the dog and he says, wow, what sharp shiny teeth it has got and Swami says this is how a person of God is uh, this is how God is always able to see the good that exists in everything because there is good in everything and here Rama sends Lakshmana to learn that good from Ravana and indeed it turns out to be a very learning experience for Lakshmana and not only for Lakshmana for all of us also because what Ravana conveys is a very 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 poignant message and I think we will hear to that message in Bhagwan's own words before uh, going further in our discussion. Right, and this Swami described in a discourse which he gave in 2002, the 21st of May 2002. So we we'll listen oh, to it in right, Samakos time. We we'll listen to it in Swami's own voice. Manchikadhyam chayyalan sankalpinchin etvinti varu Pavitramayin etvinti paramatma sevan salpalani asinchin etvinti varu పుణ్యకార్యమునందు ప్రవేశించాలని సంకల్పించుకున్నటువంటి వారు కాలహరణం చేయకండి దోస్ హుంట్ డూ గుడ్ దోస్ హుంట్ ఎక్స్టెండ్ సీక్రెట్ సర్వీస్ దోస్ హుంట్ డూ మెరిటోరియస్ డీడ్స్ షుడ్ నెవర్ డూ థింగ్స్ రాదర్ డిలే అట్టి సత్సంకల్పములు సత్ప్రభావములు సత్చింతనలు మీ హృదయమునందు ఆవిర్భవించినటువంటి తక్షణమే మీరు ఆ కార్యమును the moment that good thought gets into you the good feeling gets into you determine to do that immediately evarikini meer bhayapadanakkarledu don't be afraid of anybody akalam aalasyam cheyatam manchidi kaadu don't delay don't wait pavitramaina karyamulendu meer yokka kaalamu sadvinyogam cheskondi make proper use of time in rendering sacred service నేను ఒకనొక సమయం లోపల సంకల్పించుకున్నాను ఐ వాంట్ డూ సంథింగ్ ఇన్ ద పాస్ట్ భూలోకము నుండి స్వర్గలోకమునకు నిచ్చెన వేయాలని సంకల్పించుకున్నాను ఐ వాంట్ టు లే ఎ లాడర్ కనెక్టింగ్ ది ప్లానెట్ ఎర్త్ టు దట్ ఆఫ్ హెవెన్ లంకకు చుట్టూ ఉన్నటువంటి ఈ సముద్రమును తీయన్ నీరుగా మార్చి స్వర్గలోకును అందించాలని ఆశించాను I wanted to convert 
saline, saltish sea, sea water, sweet into sweet drinking water. Inka, narakamanandu bhadapati ekvanti yoke prati pranik kudanu, tagin sukhani, saukariyani, I also determined to see that those who are there in Naraka hell would be comfortable by providing all conveniences there. I didn't undertake the task till this date. Therefore, at least you take to action immediately the moment good thought gets into you. This is one truth that I have realized. So that was the uh, clip which we mentioned and Swami was saying that when uh, Lakshmana goes to Ravana at that moment when he is about to die, this is the explanation which Ravana gives that you know if you have a good thought if you have a good uh, plan in mind then don't procrastinate do it immediately and in contrast he also says that when you have a ill feeling or a bad thing you know a bad thought in your mind try to delay it from expressing itself uh, expressing it in action you know take it as long as possible so Swami would often say this you know when you talk about the unity of thought word indeed this question comes what if I get a bad thought Hmm. Right, you know, should I see it through completion till it you know finds fulfillment in action? And Swami would say that's why it's called trikarna shuddhi, that you take the good thought and you allow it to become shuddhi uh, meaning purity. purity, where you allow it to become action, but you filter out bad thoughts at the point of thought itself. Yeah, you you delay it till it becomes a denial. And Ravana actually gives examples from his own life. He says, see Lakshmana. I plan to make the entire ocean surrounding Lanka into sweet water, which fresh water, which could be used for drinking. And Ravana indeed had the capability to do it. It's just that he procrastinated. He had a desire that he wanted to give all the amenities of heaven, even in hell. Basically, he wanted to ensure that nobody ever suffers. Everybody is in joy. And finally, he said that I wanted to, another extension of the same plan, to have a ladder that connects... Um, uh, earth and heaven so that everybody is able to enjoy the luxuries of heaven all these may be metaphorical but even at a metaphorical level they are grand plans if your desire is to ensure that there is enough drinking water there is no suffering you know for me it felt like almost (laughs) like Swami's Medicare, Socio-Care and Educare plans you know those are the kind of noble plans that Ravana had but Ravana is Ravana, Swami is Swami because Swami executed them. In fact, Swami began executing them at a tender age itself. When Mother Ishwaramma asked, Swami got a well-built, Swami got a small dispensary made. Even the foundation of the general hospital was laid as early as 1956. You know, it's not as if Swami said, yes, I have a grand plan in mind. I have to build a super specialty hospital, so wait, I have to collect money. No, Swami didn't do any of that. At his own level, what he could do physically, that is what he did immediately. He implemented it. Possibly Ravana was waiting for the opportune moment. It's not as if he didn't have the desire to do it because this is something that he is remembering at the point of his death also, which means it must have been a very strong thought. Possibly he was waiting for the right time and right uh, occasion, right resources to come in. 
but that's not the way swami says if there is a good that has to happen do put it into put it into action immediately with whatever resource you have whatever uh, energy you have you need not wait for more to flow in don't go and ask others in fact swami has categorically forbidden from asking others uh, in the, in the name of doing good because he says to do good you don't need money to do good you don't need resources to go do good you need the willing willingness to do good and that is why swami says whenever a good thought comes execute it immediately when a bad thought comes on the other hand delay it delay it till it becomes a denial in this i think it's in this respect that swami would often mention two terms purvatapam right. and paschatapam exactly because swami was saying that here is ravana at, at the last moments of his life looking back and saying that i should have done this i should have not avoided this you know and that is what swami says it's called paschatapam where uh, it is repentance you after the mistake has been done you look back and you say that i should have done this i should not have done this it's paschat meaning after after and uh, you know there is that other uh, word which swami uses is purvatapam that is before, before 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 you indulge into the action you stop and wonder you know is this going to result in good or bad or you know is it is it a action which is worthwhile indulging in and swami contrasts ravana with arjuna and uh, swami would often ask this question even in other contexts when swami says among the pandavas why was arjuna given the opportunity to receive the gita first and the reason is he had this quality of purvatapam and in fact the 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 point which gets highlighted in the mahabharata is when he is asking this question just before the war but actually he does it in many places in the mahabharata you know before they indulge in the thing he is supposed to be one who is very analytical in his thinking and he you know always projects into the future and says that if we do this it'll, this is what will happen should we really do this thing and you know that is the quality which enables him to receive this and it it is actually an extension of your discrimination the ability to think before you know you act see uh, on one hand we were saying that swami says once you get a good thought put it into action immediately and on now we are saying that purvatapam think carefully look before you leap and all that just to make it clear these two are not in clash because you know purvatapam is the discriminatory process you know purvatapam is what you do the thought in order to you know get it fixed and get it convinced that confirm that it is a good act it's not as if you want to do good but you are having doubt whether you should do good or not purvatapam comes because you are unsure whether it's good or not see before the war arjuna was unsure whether for the sake of a kingdom should i kill my own kinsmen should i kill my own uncles my own grandsires my own gurus is it worth that is that is because arjuna had a doubt on the goodness of the action whenever there is whenever there is no doubt that it is good there was no pausing there was no pondering you dive directly into it but here he had a doubt and that is what krishna resolves by saying that you are not killing them for the sake of a kingdom you are killing them for the sake of dharma and for dharma anything can be sacrificed so so purvatapam is done in order to determine what is good or bad rather than you dive into it and later look back and say you know maybe that was good i should have done or maybe that is bad i should not have done so therefore it is so important to understand that purvatapam is not hesitation to do good purvatapam is not uh, doubting the uh, doubting the what do you say efficacy of doing good purvatapam is the process of discriminating to ensure for yourself 100% that it is good 
and once you are convinced it is good there is no looking back because that's what happened in the war also after that there was no looking back for arjuna exactly i think uh, one uh, something like a thumb rule we can say is purvatapam usually comes when you're not sure whether you're doing it for your own benefit or for the others and you know sometimes the good also might have your benefit in it like in the case of uh, arjuna that's what happened what he was doing is to establish dharma but in the process there was a little bit of good for himself of he him the ruler, like huh? becoming the ruler and becoming the victor of the battle so he was weighing it because of this am i doing this really because i want to win the battle or uh, and that was the uh, tilt which krishna was trying to bring saying that you know you don't think about you winning and you ruling because that is going to be incidental you are going to come and go but what you're doing is establishing dharma and that is the greater one of course that's the confusion but i think the word tapa itself means uh, to feel sorry is it yes. i think so so i think uh, tapana tapana is actually you know if you go by the actual meaning mm-hmm. uh, on a positive side it means penance okay on the other side it just means a kind of anxiety anxiety right so this is uh, purva tapam if we literally translate it can come as anxiety that comes in before the event paschatapam is anxiety that comes after the whole thing is right, done and and it's so clear that anxiety that comes before the event can lead in better discrimination but anxiety which comes after the event is quite useless it'll only it's like crying over spilt milk it'll only result in your health going bad and that is why that it's so important to think before and that that is the beautiful lesson that ravana is imparting here he's saying that when you have a good thought implemented right away and it's such a beautiful lesson that some you would tell us so many times and of course it's a practical lesson that we all can implement and having conveyed this to lakshmana ravana breathes his last and one ravana breathes his last you know rama being the ideal enemy also he doesn't he doesn't uh, take out his anger irritation and all on this the war is over the enmity is over now because the enemy is dead so he allows for the body to be taken back so that the proper rites and all that can be done and the first person to see the body is mandodri the queen and she you know she goes into a kind of a outburst naturally so because on one hand she has lost her husband who's a husband is supposed to be like like the other half that's what they call the other half so it's like half of herself is dead and the thing that adds to her sorrow is time and again she tried to advise and get ravana onto the wrong path onto right. the right path away from the wrong path but ravana just seemed deaf to her entreaties and these are the things that she uh, cries out you know she is wailing but even in that wailing as we read in the ramkatha rasavahini we see that there are so many lessons to be learned right in fact one of the things that she says which is very profound is you know you've achieved so many things but among all of the achievements that you have to your credit your greatest achievement will be that you were killed by rama and he says that you have drawn the end of the rakshasa race you know that is your greatest achievement and you know people will remember you for that and then of course she gives this very very important point he saying that you you've achieved so much you have you know uh, been a victor over almost all the kings and all the realms in the world but just because of your desire you were pulled down and you know she says that no enemy was strong enough to pull you down 
your enemy was all the time inside. You know, when you were going out conquering the enemies outside, you let this enemy inside stay, and you know, he was your nemesis in the end. That is what Swami would often say that the Arshad Vargas or the six enemies, enemies right. which exist within Kama, Krodha, Loba, Moha, Madha, Matsarya. That is Kama, desire, Krodha, anger, Lobha, greed, Moha, infatuation or attachment, Madha is pride, pride, and Matsarya is envy. Jealousy. I think right. envy, or envy jealousy. Or jealousy. Yeah. Right. So these are the six enemies. Without conquering whom, you it is of no use how many ever external enemies you conquer. In fact. Mandodari goes on to say that one who falls prey to lust, this Kama, cannot be saved by anybody, even Kala. Kala is supposed to be time or the god of death also. Saying even if the god of death wishes to spare you, you will not be spared if you succumb to the weakness of lust. And that is a real, real powerful statement. Given in very uh, decent format to us, but that is a message that Mandodri gives as she bewails the loss of Ravana, and so she says, "You know, the interesting thing to note here is there is not a tinge of anger or irritation or hatred towards Rama, because Mandodri was a woman of discrimination and she knew everything. Therefore, therefore, there is no anger on." Uh, Rama, if at all there is any kind of anger, if at all there is any kind of disgust, it's on Ravana himself. Because she says, you did not, you know, listen. I told you, you, you are not ready to listen. And she also adds on another important thing, which is the cause for Ravana's downfall. She says, Ravana, you took pleasure in inflicting pain on others. When you do that, never ever will you ever be blessed, irrespective of the wealth you have, the might you have, the command you have, the influence you have. If you are a person who takes pleasure in others' pain, be assured that you are going to get destroyed. See, we may not be able to solve all the pain in the world, give relief to all the sorrow in the world, but definitely we need not be sadists who take pleasure in others' pain. Actually, I realize, Prem, that if we look at our own lives in very subtle manner, unconscious to us, we take pleasure in others' pains, you know, because it seems to arise naturally for selfishness. And because we forget our true nature and we become selfish, unconsciously, in very subtle manner, we take pleasure in others' pains. That is where I think Sita's message, and uh, not Sita's, I mean Mandodri's message, hits us so strongly because she says that if at all you take pain, pleasure in inflicting pain on others and that pain can be physical, mental, psychological, any kind, spiritual also. You are never ever going to prosper in life, never will you meet success in life. You are going to meet with a ghastly end. Right, and of course when you say that, you know, we also unconsciously take pleasure in others' pain, people might say that, no, no, we don't do that, we definitely do that, but it's actually very true, you know, especially let's say that somebody has come and harmed you, that there is a pleasure when that person is suffering the consequence of his or her action. We might say that, you know, he harmed me and that's why I'm feeling that. But definitely, I mean, looked at it in isolation as it should be looked at. Somebody is suffering and you are deriving some kind of satisfaction from that. And that is what has to be avoided. And that's why this concept of, you know, this part is so very important that Rama being a perfect enemy, even the, at this point in time, he is not... Uh, I mean, he's not saying that, yeah, you deserved what you got, you know, because he's calling Vibhishana and saying that your brother has fallen, he was a king of a great land, he was a great king nevertheless. So his final rites have to be performed. 
and that that is the true sign of nobility in fact uh, there's another discourse where Swami tells very beautifully uh, uh, quotes from the Mahabharata you know where uh, Yudhishthira has lost the game of dice and he's lost everything he's going to the forest to serve his exile and uh, at that time I think uh, Dhridrashtra offers that Draupadi can stay back she doesn't have to accompany uh, the Pandavas mm. and so Yudhishthira calls Draupadi and tells her that see you know whatever has happened is between us and the Kauravas and so we are having to go to the forest for 12 years why don't you stay back in the palace and take care of Dhridrashtra and Gandhari you know that's what he says and Swami tells him that this is the sign of nobility even those who have harmed you you are thinking that is there anything I can do you know any good I can do in return or all the time thinking that and Swami says that this maturity comes from saying that nobody can come and harm me whatever happens to me is for my good and whatever happens to me is coming out of my own actions so I cannot blame anybody else and he says when that maturity comes this nobility of wishing for good even for those who are who have done harm to you will come it, it becomes natural and you will not consider it as nobility also right, you will feel it as natural thing to do because you know thinking theoretically from that somebody does harm to me and as a result of that reaps the uh, effects of that karma you know that is that person's karma cycle the moment I begin to enjoy that person's suffering I make myself also a part of that karma and you know build up my own karma you know that is why what will be construed as nobility what will be seen as nobility is actually self-preservation you know I just keep out of it and I continue to do my good irrespective of what happens so that is the powerful message that yeah, Mandodri one, gives one more thing which at this point talking about Mandodri and Swami writes this part you know, because she is not angry against Rama because she even in fact in her lament she says that because she says that Rama is Parabrahmam hmm. and you know he was here to establish Dharma and you, you, know, you uh, took enmity towards him and this is that's why this has befallen you and Swami says that at this, at this point the, the devatas and the gods in the heaven they are so impressed by this nobility of Mandodri because she has recognized Rama as divine you know, mm-hmm. in spite of Rama trying to pretend as though he is a normal human being she has recognized and you know that is why she is also referred to as one of the Pativratas in, in the ancient scriptures I mean she is a perfect example of for a person to be a perfect wife your husband does not have to be perfect for you to be a perfect son you don't have to have perfect parents mm-hmm. For you to be a perfect mother, you don't have to have the perfect son. For you to be a perfect employee, you don't have to have the perfect employer. So at every time, you know, your perfection is independent of the situation around you and the people you are, you know, liaisoning with. And this is a very, very important message that you, know, you have no excuses for being imperfect at what you're doing. We often find this, you know, we often tell that if, if at all there's a problem and I'm asked for the cause of it, very rarely will I tell that the cause is because I am imperfect. Just the other day, you know, I was speaking to somebody over the phone and uh, during the course of this conversation, this interesting point came up. Uh, you know, the person was telling about how uh, another person had spoken something harshly and therefore there was this feeling of hurt within and all that. That is when this interesting uh, concept came up, which I f- believe is the truth. That see... Out of 100 different things that can possibly happen, mm-hmm. only two or three things seem to hurt me. You know, uh, possibly somebody 
you see if somebody comes and calls me and says you're a terrorist you know you are a terrorist you hate humanity mm-hmm. i will just laugh him away because you know it's so absurd yeah it's so absurd i don't think that's the truth but if somebody comes and tells you know you're a hypocrite i'm really frankly confessing somebody comes and says you're a hypocrite you speak all big stuff but you are so cheap within i i i try to retaliate and say you just shut up do you think you you are some noble person yourself because believe it or not that is a weakness that is present in me if at all i get hurt or angered by something that somebody has told me it's because that is a weakness that exists in me because if that weakness doesn't exist in me i don't get hurt at all if somebody calls me terrorist i don't care you know so if somebody calls me something and i feel hurt somewhere within i'm feeling that i'm feeling a kind of association with that whether it is true or not that is for us to determine but some way i feel i am associated if somebody calls me a failure and i feel dejected it's because somewhere deep within me i feel i am a failure though that might be a false that might be true we don't know that whether we are a failure or not but when somebody calls me a failure and i get affected it's because i somewhere believe that i am a failure if somebody calls me as a cheating as a cheater a person who cheats and i get affected it's because somewhere within i have a feeling that maybe i am a cheater so you see i think we should look at all these opportunities where we feel frustrated irritated angry or upset and look at those as opportunities to strengthen ourselves and improve ourselves yeah absolutely and you know that is the beautiful lesson that mandudri gives here and the other thing is you know when when you are being a good person when you're being when you're living life nobly i think that is when you know you are closest to your conscience as swami would say and that is why she is able to recognize the divinity in rama you know otherwise mm. there is no other way you can you can pick out an individual and say that you know he is he is god and that is why uh, swami says at that moment the the uh, gods in the heavens are blessing her you know you are such a noble woman that you are able to recognize this and of course as we said at this point he we, he calls vibhishana and uh, vibhishana is asked to perform the final rites but at this moment again there are some beautiful lessons that swami brings out probably we'll take it up after a short break we'll t- go into a song break right now dear listeners don't go away because some of the lessons at this point of the ramayana are repeated by swami so many times during his discourses and i think it's really worthwhile recollecting them today
Ravana is dead Rama calls Vibhishna and tells him because he is the possibly the only relative alive he is Ravana's brother and everybody i think all of Ravana's sons have been killed all his other his other brother that's Kumbhakarna has been killed everybody is dead so it's only Vibhishna left who has to perform the funeral rites and that's what Rama calls and tells Vibhishna to perform the funeral rites after which you know he hints that he should perform these rites and then get ready for the coronation rites uh, because rama is uh, determined to crown vibhishna as the ruler of lanka at this point in time you know vibhishna he says lord you see i never came to your side because i want to be king i came to your side because i want to be on your side i want to be with you that's all and i just wanted to oh, transform my brother if that was possible now that is that boat has passed you know that's gone and now my brother is dead so i don't have any interest in ruling the kingdom i will be grateful oh lord rama if if you only become the ruler here so that is the <laughs> counter offer that uh, vibhishna makes he says yes i will perform the funeral rites but after that rama why do you want me to be the emperor you are you are the uncrowned emperor because you know everybody it's not that uh, it's not that there was somebody else who was heading you are everyone knows that you are the emperor you are the king you are the lord so why don't you even formally accept that position this is the uh, proposition that vibhishna makes right and the idea is like you can rule from lanka you have a new capital and from the descriptions we've had through the story it's supposed to be the most fabulous looking city and 
uh, even otherwise, you know, like as you're saying, Vibhishna is saying that you're one over this kingdom and you have all right over it. And I'm sure the other generals and other people around Rama also would have suggested the same thing. But I think at this point, you know, uh, Rama actually takes it as an opportunity to impart a very, very beautiful lesson. And Swami would quote this incident and repeat that in, that lesson for us many, many times. So why not we listen to it from Swami's own voice where Swami says what exactly happens at this point and what is that message which Rama gives. This is from a discourse that Swami gave in the year 1996, the 7th of September, September to be precise. <laughs> This is my motherland. This is my mother tongue. Is there anyone who does not declare As the attachment body is important, so also attachment attachment because of the patriotism that you have in you, you cannot criticize any other country. The whole world should be happy for that matter. But Sri Rama said, After killing Rama, well, preparation is made for coronation of Sugriva, Jambavan, Angada all came and prayed for Even Lakshman also said, Brother, Bharata is already ruling. We are no longer kings. Sanctify this Lanka, rule this Lanka also. Then Rama said, Janani Janma Bhumascha Swadgari Pigareyasi Na Thalli Kuripika Undenani Na Thalli Andanga Ledani Yavaro Andanga Balanga Undenani Amin Yen Thalli Ani Pilsitam Vilao Tundha For the simple reason my mother is not beautiful and ugly I cannot call other beautiful woman as my mother Na Thalli Na Thalli Na Thalli my mother may be ugly. She continues Anand to be my mother. Students should develop her such strong faith. Our motherland. We should bring the prestige and the dignity of this country. We should uphold the respect of this country. Two very important points there. First thing is, Swami says, just because uh, your mother is not that good looking, you will not go and pick up a good looking lady and tell you be my mother. That is one thing. And the other point that Swami makes, that was right in the beginning of the clip, was that in the name of being patriotic in, and in the name of standing for your country, you should not descend into criticizing other countries and criticizing or speaking bad about other countries. So, yes, you have to be patriotic. You have to love your motherland. Swami would often, you know, in the convocation discourses say that having got all these degrees, you carry them as begging bowls and go leave your motherland and go away. And what do you do there? In the name of work, you go wash dishes, you go wash vehicles. Swami would say, wash your father's car, wash your mother's dishes. It will give you more punyam instead of going and washing dishes abroad. Swami would vehemently speak against forsaking your motherland. Whatever, you know, the standard excuse given is that there are no enough opportunities here. 
and in it is in that light you know there is no opportunities here people are not this way here the system is not good enough you know find fault i think the reply that swami gives to all that is that statement what rama makes to lakshmana he says just because my mother is not pretty i will not go and embrace another pretty woman and say you are my mother my mother is my mother with all her so called positives and negatives i don't care about that she is the mother who gave birth to me and swami says he makes it very 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 clear in the discourse he says this is a feeling that the students must inculcate today mother and motherland that is what it is janani janma bhumischa swargadapi garyasi janani is mother and janma bhumi is motherland and rama says mother and motherland are greater than heaven itself so if you offer me heaven with a celestial nymph i will not take that i will choose my motherland with my mother there and swami starts off by making a very very profound statement he said as long as deha bhimanam is there as long as body attachment is there mm. you cannot call yourself a global citizen <laughs> it's be- because you know swami would say this many times patriotism is a virtue Patri- patriotism is a human value in the sense that you know whatever we we try to do in in the name of spirituality is to come out of this individual belief that we live in individual uh, life that we lead of thinking about myself and what i need when you start thinking about the family as a whole when you start thinking about the society of the whole already you are one step into this spiritual process of going beyond uh, you know the vyakti tatva as some you would put it in the individualistic approach and that is why this patriotism is a very very important thing and as you were saying that when you when you start saying that i don't have opportunities here i don't have uh, you know the system here is not good you are again going back into that idea of it is not worthwhile for me to stay here so let me you know go abroad and then you start bringing in the logic of oh no no we are all global citizens we don't belong to this one country we, you know we, borders don't matter to us actually it is a it is a selfish thought which is being packaged as a you know, universal idea uh-huh. if, <laughs> if you are truly a global citizen then What why do you go to a you country are? why do you go to a country which is in terms of resources and opportunities better than the current country right we don't why go, don't to, you a go to a country which is lesser country <laughs> i mean which is having less oppo- lesser opportunity in fact you have more opportunities there as you saying that you know in a country where there is more to do you have more opportunities <laughs> i am reminded of that uh, uh, anecdote of a person a footwear salesman mm-hmm. two footwear salesmen were sent to an island to sell shoes one of them wrote back saying no use coming here nobody wears shoes here the other person writes back saying this is the best place to come because nobody wears we have got hundreds millions of shoes to sell <laughs> you know so in that sense as you rightly said there is a greater opportunity to do more work in a place that is apparent that is not so materially and resource wise developed but we don't do that as as means whether we accept it or not it's pure unblemished unsullied selfishness that makes us look out for our own benefit and we later justify and we con- cover it up saying that this was done uh, in a broad idea and all the other principles but when swami says it i think we should definitely try to practice it in spirit as much as possible right and of course you know nothing to put on anybody but just that idea of acknowledging you know this is how our mind plays with ourselves you know when you do something which is narrow minded and then you think that it is actually uh, of a greater nature so the first step is acknowledgement because you know you have many other opportunities to correct yourself and learn so this is the answer which 
Lord Rama gives. And you know, you know, when you were saying about this, I think I have narrated it before. There was this occasion when, uh, during the Brindavan days, when we would have the three sessions. Mm-hmm. You know, there is this token line to go ahead. So uh, two three days in a row, I got the opportunity to go right in the front and sit. You know, and when you sit right in the front, you get the opportunity to press Swami's feet. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. I'm sure you'll also know that in Tri Brindavan, the space right in the front is limited, and therefore at least 50 to 60 percent of the students will have to sit in a adjacent hall from where you can't directly see Swami. So if you're not in the first two three lines, there is a a great chance that you may not be able to see Swami also during the entire Thrai session and you will be able to see Him only as He enters and exits. So on the other, on the fourth day, you know, uh, I got a token number that was pretty much at the end and I was sure that inside Thrai I will not be able to get a place where I can see Swami. And having been pampered with sitting right in the front for the past three days, this was looking like a very uh, dull evening for me because imagine going into Thrai, not able to see Swami in sharp contrast to the previous three days when you were sitting right at His feet. Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, a thought that came in me, which I thought is very, very selfless and noble of me, was that Swami, every day you spend the whole day with devotees, spend the whole day with bhajans and darshan, interviews, and in the evening when you have little time, that also you spend by giving Thrai session. How tired you must be. Why don't you take rest today? I felt that I'm being selfless in my thought and wanting Swami to take rest. I This is how I prayed. And I said, Swami, everybody thinks of themselves. Everybody wants their chance at Tarai Brindavan in Tarai session. Nobody thinks of how tired you must be. I think you should take rest today. And I was thinking if Swami takes rest, then you can go and play cricket. You know, <laughs> That was my plan. And guess what? That day Swami did not actually call for Tarai session. And when that happened, I felt, see, this is what happens when you have a selfless prayer. God responds. I felt very thrilled, very happy. And I was already planning of going and playing cricket. But being part of the audio-visual group there, I had to, you know, uh, wind up all the mics and keep them in. And this room in which we would store mics was located inside the Tarai Vrindavan compound. So as I was rolling and keeping the mics there, uh, one of the teachers came out and said, where, where are the students? Ah, sir, they must be in the hostel. Uh, can you summon them because looks like Swami wants to give the Thrai session. At that point in time, I had a walkie-talkie and over the walkie-talkie, I just sent a message saying that Swami wants a Thrai session. Mm-hmm. But Prem, I never felt, Swami, please don't call for a Thrai session, take rest. Because now, it was going to be a free-for-all and it will be first come first. And I knew that I had the best chance of going right to the front because I am inside Thrai Brindavan compound. All the other students are in the hostel. <laughs> and that's indeed what happened. I rushed and sat in the front and Swami came and sat on the jula. You know, it was at that point in time, I began to feel so bad about myself. So so cheap I had been in my thoughts. I re- realized that it was my selfishness. I didn't want the Thrai session only because I felt I'll be back and I'll not be getting a chance. It was not... It was not that Swami should take rest. What I thought I was being selfless, it was absolutely not. Because when later the call came that Thrai session is there, not even once did I think, Swami, no, Swami, you should take rest. In fact, uh, in contrast, I was just saying, Swami, let this be true. Let this be true because, because, you know, I will get my fourth day in a row to sit at your lotus feet. And I got that opportunity, but it really shamed me because I realized how, how the selfishness that is there within us has this ability to disguise itself as selflessness and paint itself as broad-mindedness and come out. 
but nobody can hide the truth from god and from our own selves we know we know these times when we cover up our own inadequacies and selfishness and uh, littleness as broad mindedness and selflessness right and i think as i said everything starts with that acknowledgement and the next time you can catch yourself being that and as <laughs> beautiful quote say goes that uh, the wise ones are not any different from you it's just that they catch themselves every time they being a jerk <laughs> and stop themselves is that your own quote prem no no it's not my own <laughs> i heard from somebody okay. and uh, yeah coming back to the story here and you know there is another beautiful uh, thing which strikes me in a sense because here is rama you know this long battle has been fought is coming across the ocean everything is for you know uh, releasing mother sita and you know he is showing that sign of separation that you know i have to get back to mother sita and that there is that urgency there but ha- after having won the battle you know the first thing which he does is of course the final rites of uh, ravana which is due to a person is being done and the second thing is he coronates you know he is preparing for the coronation of vibhishana and the sequence of events seems to be a little odd you know probably the first thing rama should have done is run to sita you know, run to sita or get sita to his presence but the first thing that he is doing is you know what has to be done dharmically for a person who has passed away a king who has passed away that is the final rites for ravana and then he is again looking at the situation first from the point of view of a king because in the situation he is a king who has defeated another king so the first thing he is thinking is the kingdom needs a king so let's coronate vibhishana so he is not thinking about his individual uh, you know from his individual point of view and that is this is the same thing you will see later when you know rama sends away sita to the forest also because as he has promised sita even at the time of the marriage he says always i will act as a king first and then my individual desires and my needs will come and that's exactly what we see here because the first thing he says is he calls uh, lakshmana he calls sugrida and angada and all of them and he says go into the city and get uh, vibhishana coronated make him the king and then you come back to me no when rama tells this you know vibhishana is like okay rama you don't want to be the king see as you rightly said the way rama thinks it is so natural that he is the king because he always thinks like a king he acts like the king he acts like the emperor so it is natural that vibhishana requested him to be the emperor at lanka but now when rama tells hanum uh, not hanuman i mean sugriva angada nala neela and lakshmana to go and coronate vibhishana as the king vibhishana is you know perplexed and shocked it is almost like he says rama it's okay rama fine you are making me king but please you make me king at least give me that honor give me that privilege please come and you coronate me that is uh, vibhishana's desire that is his prayer but there also you know rama tells that see as part of what my father put the condition for the exile i have already spent 13 years 11 months and 29 days of the exile i have still got one more day of exile left when i am not supposed to enter any human habitation any kingdom any you know i am not supposed to take shelter in any home like that i am supposed to be in exile so it is not right on my part to break it and therefore lanka needs a ruler immediately but i should not break this uh, exile on the last day of it so therefore rama refuses to even be part of the coronation ceremony that's why he delegates this task of coronating vibhishna to lakshmana and the other trusted members right and as uh, directed by rama lakshmana goes into the 
city of Lanka and the coronation of Vibhishana is carried out. And that's when Vibhishana also declares that you know, though I have been crowned the king, I will rule this kingdom just as a trustee of Lord Rama. You know, Rama will be the emperor overlord of this kingdom and I will rule it as, you know, as an assistant, as a, as a person who has been deputed to carry on this task. Now that's why they call the Lord as the king of kings, I feel. Because he is, he is, he is not ruling one part. You know, there, Ayodhya, who is the king? Bharata, you may say, but Bharata will say, no, no, I am just ruling on behalf of Rama. Rama is the king of kings. Bharata is the king of Ayodhya, but Bharata's king is Rama. And here, Vibhishna is the king of Lanka, but Vibhishna's king is Rama. So, you know, the Lord is the king of kings. He is the king maker. He is the one who uh, gives the position. <laughs> and that is what has happened here. And Vibhishna has been coronated. Once all this is done, as you rightly said, once the news of the coronation is received by Rama, that is when he calls Hanuman and tells Hanuman, I have one more favor to request from you. You know the whereabouts of Sita. Please go to Sita, find out how she is, convey to her the news of all that has happened. You know, come and tell me how she is doing, what is, uh, what is the latest <laughs> on that front. And with that task, Hanuman sets out again because he knows where Sita is. He sets out into the city of Lanka to go and find Sita. Right. And when he goes there and Mother Sita is given the news and the, I mean, uh, there's a, another very beautiful uh, interaction which happens between Hanuman and Mother Sita because you know, she's so happy and she says that you know, I have I've been imprisoned in this kingdom for 10 months. So I have nothing to give you. I have nothing to offer you. And then Hanuman says that, you know, you have already given me the greatest I can ask for. And he says that, just that joy that I saw in your face is good enough. But, you know, Mother Sita being the mother, she is not satisfied with what she has given Hanuman. So then Swami narrates a beautiful incident here, what happens. And, you know, she blessing Hanuman with with her joy. And what happens at that point? Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to play two clips. Both clips were given and uh, were part of the same discourse, the 1999 uh, Shivratri discourse, 15th of February. Mm. But Swami describes the same incident. There are two incidents which happen in the same time when Hanuman goes to convey this in that incident. right incident where Hanuman goes to convey this news to Mother Sita. So we listen to both those clips and then we will discuss about it. Bhagavantini Prema, Vadanedi Kadu, Barkedi Kadu. God's love cannot be dropped down. It would not run away. It will never slip any moment. Such divine love is very essential to mankind. For this a small example. Hanuman followed the command of Rama. He has got into that Lanka and brought back to Rama the welfare and the condition of Sita. Tadupari, Varasanyam Tokudi, Lankalo Prevesinchi, Ravan Vadinchi, Vijayan Sadinchi at Twenty Samemlo, Hanuman to Sita Kikavendi, Amma, Rama Vijayam Chekurindi, Ravana Samaram Jarigindi, Niyoka Bandana Vimochanayindi. Later, Hanuman followed by the army of Vanaras, they killed Ravana and then Hanuman told Sita that Ravana was killed and she is free from the captivity of Ravana. 
నాయన పరిపరిలం కాపురమున చొచ్చిన పురవరశేవుడు నీవయ్యా అనింది పరిపరిలం కాపురమున చొచ్చిన పురవరశేవుడు నీవయ్యా ఇన్ ఫ్యాక్ట్ యువర్ దాంక ఇంతటి గౌరవాన్ని నీవు తీసుకున్నావు యు హావ్ గాట్ దట్ రిస్పెక్ట్ అండ్ పురవరశేవుడు అని గొప్ప టైటిల్ ఇచ్చింది సీత Sita gave him a very big title that you are the warrior of warriors. Kaani ee title ee vishayam vinnagane Hanumanthudu thala gonchukunnadu. The moment Hanuman heard this title given to him by Sita bent down his head. Rama muddikanu gonukoni samudramu daatina bhadraparakum divayya anindi rendu avutundi. In fact she gave second title. Ramu dichinatuti ungaram teesukoni poyi aa yokka samudranni daati అందించినటువంటి యొక్క భద్ర పరాక్రుండీవయ్యా అని వర్ణించింది అండ్ షీ ఆల్సో ప్రైస్ హిమ్ సేయింగ్ దాట్ వేరింగ్ ద రింగ్ ప్రజెంటెడ్ బై రామా యూ కుడ్ క్రాస్ దిస్ మైటీ ఓషన్ ఇంతే కాదు నాతోళ్ళు దేశ్ సీత యొక్క వార్తను చెప్పించి సీత యొక్క శిరోరత్నమును రాములకు అందించినటువంటి యొక్క గొప్ప ఘనుడయ్యా నీవు He also praised him such she is such a great noble one because she brought the jewel of Sita and gave to Rama. Raghupati karyam idechina kapi rajasikhamani nivayya ani marok title ichindi. And he also she also gave another title you are the king of kings who have done who have fulfilled the command of Rama. Ee varnanu vinetapatiki Ramu anumantudu kramakramina kundipothu vachadu. Listening to the praises Hanuman was depressed and frustrated. Ee satyanni guttinchinatundi Sita అయ్యో ఈ వర్ణనంతా కూడా నువ్వు హనుమంతుడికి ఏమాత్రం ఆనందాన్ని అందించలేదే హనుమంత నీ వంటి గుణవంతుడు ఈ జగత్తులో కనరాడే నీబోటి బలవంతుడు ఈ జగత్తులో కనరాడే ఇన్ దిస్ వరల్డ్ ఈ జగత్తులో రేరే A person equal to you is not found anywhere. Hanumanta ani oka title ichindi. And she gave the title Hanumanta. Anaga gunavantudu balavantudu hanumantudu. Hanumanta oka title nanukundi. She gave the titles you are one of virtue, you are one of strength. Kaani dani kurunu hanumantudu ye maatramo aanandinchaledu. Even those titles have not pleased Hanuman. ఈ హనుమంతుడికి ఆనందం అందించేటువంటి వార్తలు ఏమిటి ఈ పదములు ఏమిటి అని చాలా లోతుగా ఆలోచించింది ఇన్ఫాక్ట్ నీకు నా టైటిల్స్ ఏది కూడా నువ్వు విలువ లేకుండా పోయింది నీవు రాములకు ప్రేమ స్వరూపుడైపోయి రాముడు నీ హృదయం నివాసి అయిపోగాక అనింది అండ్ షీ బ్లెస్డ్ ఇన్ దట్ రామా షుడ్ డ్వెల్ ఇన్ ద హార్ట్ ఆఫ్ హనుమాన్ వన్స్ ఫర్ ఆల్ తన యొక్క ప్రేమని పొందుగాక నిరంతరం కూడా సర్వకాల సర్వావస్థది ఎందుకుడను సర్వదా సర్వకాలేశు హనుమంత రామ ప్రేమ స్వరూపుడు ప్రేమని నీవు పొందుగాక అనింది రామా ఇస్ వెరీ ఎంబాడిమెంట్ ఆఫ్ లావ్ let that love be installed in your heart everywhere every time aa premanu ponduduga kaane cheppadiki hanumantu egiri dumpiyadu then once she said let you receive the love and hanuman jumped in joy ecstasy tanni 
ఈ ప్రేమ కట్టి మించింది ఈ జగత్ లో మరొకటి లేదు కదా మదర్ దట్ నథింగ్ దట్ ఇస్ మోర్ ప్రేమ కుడి పాత్రుడు కావటము ఇంతకంటే నా విరుద్ధ నాకు ఒక్కటి లేదు ఇఫ్ ఐఎమ్ డిజర్వింగ్ లవ్ అబ్రామ్ ఐ డోంట్ వాంట్ ఎనిథింగ్ ఎల్స్ దీనికి మించినటువంటి ఫలితం నాకు ఒక్కటి అవసరం లేదు ఐ డోంట్ వాంట్ ఎనిథింగ్ గ్రేటర్ దెన్ దిస్ జగత్ అంతే కూడా నా హస్తం నందించినప్పటికీ నాకు ఆనందం కలగదు ఐ విల్ నాట్ బి హ్యాపీ బై క్యాచింగ్ హోల్డ్ అది whole world aa prema kiranamanu nenu nochukunnappudu adi ye na dharyam ayipothundi na jeevithamu if i receive the rays of that love is enough for me chusara parava bhaktudaina hanumantudu balavantudaina hanumantudu gunavantudaina hanumantudu deenini kudunu lekka cheyaka okka bhagavantuni prema kosame paatu padtu vachadu such a strong mighty one an ardent devotee hanuman cared for love only uh I know Prem that we promised we will be playing out both the clips but the time in our studios is already 1:50 and it's time for us to wind up I'm afraid that we will be missing out so many beautiful lessons if we play both the clips so I think we possibly stop with this clip for this week and continue the next clip next week in this clip itself you know there is such a beautiful message that Swami is giving that we have to learn from Hanuman's life in spite of all his achievements the thing that he prided himself most and the thing that made him joyful the most is to be the recipient of rama's love we had seen it earlier also that when Han- ravana asks hanuman for an introduction he introduces himself as i am i am the one who belongs to rama i am the servant of rama you know that is the first statement of introduction he gives somebody asked me who are you i say i am arvind i work for radio sai and radio sai is a unit of the central trust and the central trust is what swati sai established you know honestly speaking this is how i generally introduce myself and and you see swati sai comes in the fourth line there fourth sentence there here is hanuman who says i am a servant of rama and you can see that genuineness because even when sita says confers upon him titles upon titles he is not happy with any of it till sita tells gives him a title which means that you are the one who is a resident of rama's heart and you are the one whose heart is resided by rama this is what makes him jump and he says that this is the greatest blessing he gets tears of joy he gets so happy i think that is a very very powerful lesson for us to imbibe in our lives All right in fact the discourse in which swami makes this you know mentions this incident the entire discourse is about that you know swami tells that in whatever you do in everyday life you mm. are constantly asking the question will my boss be happy will my friends be happy will my family be happy with it how many of you are stopping and asking will swami be happy with it you know will i earn swami's love if i do this and swami says that you know that is the pinnacle of achievement of a human life that is what the human life is meant for to be able to live a life which is worthy of Uh, receiving the grace and love of god and then swami says this incident and so beautiful because here is hanuman uh, who's getting the praise from the highest source you know when it is not any uh, people who want favors from you praising you but somebody who is really from the bottom of their heart praising you and even that praise is empty for hanuman because hanuman says that you know these are all blessings which is which means nothing the uh, titles that the world will celebrate but he says for me if anything is there worthwhile celebrating it is you know this blessing that i will always think of rama and i will always be in the mind of rama as a loved one it is indeed a great blessing because i remember one of our brothers narrating as to how swami said 
know when he asked swami how do we know that you that we are blessed you know it is not by physical proximity not by the number of chances that we get on that occasion swami told him that without your effort if you are able to think of me know that it's a sign of my blessing so it is indeed the greatest of blessings to be able to think of rama and feel rama and that is why hanuman is celebrating you know another message that uh, comes out here which i would like to narrate with the help of a little incident that happened in kodaikanal mm-hmm. you know is this was i think in the kodaikanal trip 2009 or 2008 one of those last visits um this was narrated to me by brother amay he was saying that swami was unable to walk and therefore whatever little he had to walk i think possibly this was 2006 maybe mm-hmm. so whatever little he would walk he would take somebody's help hold the hand and walk so uh on one occasion swami was holding the hand of one brother and walking every day different people would get chances and that day as swami was walking you know he turned towards all the other boys who were sitting and made a face as if to say this boy is so lucky right you know because he's holding my hand and walking so lucky right and he also made a face as if to say that all of you will be thinking he's so lucky you'll be feeling envious of him and then he said then you know brother amay was saying that what swami said next was something very powerful swami said holding hand not important sir but having desire to hold hand that is very important wow you know so my god so swami himself said that more important than holding my hand is desiring to hold my hand so i think that this lesson and this message from hanuman we discussed how Uh, during uh, padasevanam how hanuman was ready to stay back and not even go with rama he was ready to give up the physical proximity of rama in order to obey rama's command his his longing to be with rama i think is something that we have to learn from it is not that we think that hanuman was lucky because he was with rama it's not about him being with rama whether he was with rama or not with rama he always longed to be with rama and as swami says that is more important than actually being with rama himself so i think that is a powerful thing especially in today's circumstances when we seem to be going haywire in swami's physical absence this is a very good message to hold on to that longing we should long to we should pine for god that is more important than actually interacting with god you know when we started the discussion we started off with a statement which swami makes in reference to ravana uh, what mandodari says he says if you have kama even kala cannot save you but we have come a full circle where we are saying that swami is saying that that desire for god is more important than having god holding god's hand so it's almost like swami is saying that you know that's a statement that swami say maneva karanam maneva manishanam karanam bandha mukshayo he said it's the same mind which liberates you as well as binds you and if you have desire for the world and desire for power like how ravana had that is the end which will have but if that desire is turned towards god and swami is saying that that desire is more valuable than getting the opportunity itself and that's what Ram, Ra, hanuman is uh, expressing here just that his he's filled with that desire and that love for rama that you know that blessing is more than enough for him now looking at it prem it is such simple common sense right how many have held the hand and not got liberated and how many have just desired to hold the hand and got liberated because mirabai never got to hold the hand tukaram never got to hold the hand annamaya never held the hand just their desire to hold on to the lord was enough to liberate them and you know we can look at our own lives how many of us have held the hand looked at him 
it doesn't matter it doesn't matter in the ultimate analysis because what matters in the ultimate analysis is how much we have pined for him how much we have longed for him dear listeners with that message with the prayer that we enshrine this message in our heart and long for swami pine for him seek him need him so that we deserve him we bring this uh, ramkatara savahini satsang to a close we will end with a bhajan on the other side of which as usual there will be brother chandu vijay with his segment love to love so do write in to us your thoughts your feelings your feedback write to us at listener@radiosai.org and we will continue this part of the ramkatara savahini next week for our satsang thank you jai sai ram